Chapter 27 What's wrong? I cried. Am I hurting him? No, Aftran said, her voice suddenly flat. He's screaming because there's a yurk in his head. Axe, listen to me. The yurk is Aftran. She helped me save your life, I cried. He's totally freaking, Aftran told me. He's saying you should have let him die. He would have killed himself with his own blade before he let a yurk infest him. He doesn't understand, I answered. Yes, he does, she insisted. I'm coming out. A moment later, Aftran slithered out of Axe's ear. Axe bucked on the table. His eye stalks jerked back and forth. Where is it? He cried. Don't let it touch me! I grabbed his head between my hands. Stop it, I ordered angrily. You have to stay still until I finish stitching your head. Axe obediently lay back on the table, but I could see tremors running through his body. My anger faded. Axe had been so sick. Then he'd come to and found a yurk in his head, one of the monsters who had killed his brother. No wonder he went off. He probably thought he'd been captured and infested. You're okay, I told Axe soothingly. You're in my dad's operating room. I put Aftran in your head. She looked inside you and told me where the triagland was. She helped me operate. I got it out. You're past your crisis. I scooped up Aftran, filled the sink with water, and let her inside. I'll be back in a minute, I promised her, even though she was deaf again. Blind. Mute. Helpless. I turned back to Axe. He kept rubbing his ear. I knew he was feeling violated, repulsed by what I had done to him. Visser Three was planning to interrogate Aftran tonight, I said softly as I returned to stitching up Axe's incision. He discovered she was part of the peace movement. Filthy yerk! He spat. I made the last stitch. That filthy yerk helped save your life and she very nearly gave her life for peace between human and yurk. And now, unless I can think of some way to save her, she will die a slow death of Kondrona starvation. Axe didn't say anything. Maybe when he'd gotten some rest, he'd think it over. Eric, would you take Axe back to the stall? I asked. He'll need at least a few days to recover. Is that too long for you to stay and keep the hologram up? Eric gently lifted Axe off the table. You're talking to a guy who helped build the pyramids. A few days is nothing. I smiled at him. Thanks. I couldn't have gotten through all this without you. Yes, you could have. But you're welcome, he answered as he carried Axe out the door. I sat down on the little stool my dad keeps by the table. I wrapped my arms around my knees. All the fear I'd been pushing away suddenly hit me. I felt like my body was deflating. It's just a delayed reaction, I told myself. You're safe. Axe is safe. Aftran's safe.
That wasn't really true. Yeah, I got Aftran away from Visser 3. But in three days, she would be dead. I pushed myself to my feet and leaned against the sink, staring down at her. She had done what few had the strength to do. She had questioned the beliefs she had been raised with. And, ultimately, she had chosen to go against her society. To turn away from everything she had once believed. To become the enemy of those closest to her. Aftrin had sacrificed so much. She had experienced all the richness and wonder of our world. But when she decided she did not have the right to control another, she had been strong enough to give it up to save a little girl's life. She returned to the Yerkpool. It must have felt like the worst kind of prison to her after being in Karen's body. But she didn't allow herself to wallow in despair. She chose to fight. She battled to free us all. I reached into the water and slid Aftran into my hands. I pressed her against my ear. It was the only way I could talk to her, and I needed to thank her for all she'd done. A moment later, I felt her cold, slick body touch my skin. My ear canal tingled as she pushed her way through. I knew you would come for me, Cassie, she said as soon as she made her connections with my brain. There was so much I wanted to say to her. I hardly knew where to start. Thank you for helping me save Axe's life, I answered. She laughed. If you had told me when we first met that I would ever do anything to aid an Andalite? Or become a York freedom fighter, I added. That too, Avchan agreed. Her tone turned somber then. Cassie, there's something I have to ask you to do for me. Anything, I replied instantly. I need you to kill me, she said simply. What? I cried. No! We both know I will be dead in three days no matter what you do. You have witnessed Kendrona starvation. I ask you to spare me that. Avchan answered. End my life now. You can make it fast and painless. I felt a lump of unshed tears form in my throat. Were they mine or Aftran's? Maybe they were both of ours. Both of ours. That gave me an idea. You could stay in me, I exclaimed. No. You would have to go into the yurt pool every three days. It's too dangerous. If you were somehow found out... Visser 3 would learn everything about your friends and the peace movement. All would be lost, Aftran answered. She must have felt the wave of despair and sorrow sweeping through me. It's not so bad to die for what you believe in. There are much worse deaths, she said gently. Many worse deaths. Chapter 28 my mom didn't let me eat any solid food until today, Rachel complained. And it's been four days since I got sick. All the way to the beach, Jake, Rachel, Marco, Tobias, and Axe had been trying to top each other with stories about who felt worse when they were sick. That's the worst thing that happened to you while you were sick? Tobias demanded as he soared overhead. I'm not even sure Cassie's dad is a real vet. He tried to stick a pill up. Yeah, well, my dad bought me baby aspirin from the store. Baby aspirin, Marco groused. Like, for a baby. A yurk was in my head, Axe said, still amazed. He was in human morph, naturally. 
in my head. Head. I mostly ignored my friend's complaining contest. I was enjoying the warm sand sliding beneath my toes, and the salty smell and soft sounds of the ocean. There is nothing like a trip to the yerk pool to make you appreciate life and freedom. Is this where we're supposed to meet Aftron? Jake asked. Uh-huh. When I morphed a dolphin and visited her this morning, she said it's time for her to move on, but she wanted to say goodbye, I answered. Just look out there. I pointed at the blue-green water. I don't see anything, Marco said. I do, Tobias answered. Turn a little to the left. We turned. I scanned the ocean and spotted a foamy spot. The water broke over a massive fin. Then, a humpback whale leapt all the way out of the water. Droplets of water flew off her in a sparkling comet. There should be a picture of that scene in the dictionary. Under beauty. And joy. We made the right decision, Jake said. Better than the last time we used the blue box. Would have been hard to do any worse, Marco said. Anyway, Visitor 3 will never find Aftran now. On Aftran's second day out of the yurt pool, everyone in the group was well enough for a short meeting. We all agreed that we couldn't let Aftran die. It was Jake who thought of the way to save her. He suggested that we give her the power to morph, on the condition that she choose one morph and stay in it forever. It was just safer that way. For everyone. Like I said, the decision was unanimous. Aftran took another sparkling flight. I felt like my heart was leaping with her. Whoa! Good leap! Marco exclaimed. It felt good. We were all together again. Alive. Well. And Aftran was free. How amazing was that? Aftran's moving out. Heading for the deep ocean. Tobias announced. She must feel like she's in paradise, I said. Can you imagine living in the ocean after the yurk pool? And in that body. Fast. Powerful. Able to see, hear, feel, and communicate. I bet she misses the fight, though, Rachel added. She's done her part, Jake said. I thought back to that moment when I had finally allowed Aftran into my head. One decision. So many consequences. I caught Jake watching me. What? I asked. He shrugged. Just wondering what you were thinking. Nothing very profound, I said. Just... Just what? Just that every now and then, we actually win one. He nodded. Sometimes we do win. He agreed. This time... This time, Cassie, you won. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And here we are, the end of another book. What a moment. Uh, should have checked before I started recording this, but I believe uh, next up is going to be Megamorphs 3. 
Um, and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled numerical books. So look forward to that. Um, as usual, I'll have the super cut out um, by next week. This, this, wait, when next week. It's going to be next week. <laughs> um, probably. Uh, yeah, and then we'll be starting a new book. Uh, I don't have any uh, any messages here, but if you'd like to send in a message, you can do that uh, through a variety of ways. There's the Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. There's the Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And, of course, my website, theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, you can also uh, tweet at me, at audiomorphs, and uh, that's that's where you should check if... Something uh, I've said is going to happen isn't happening. Uh, I, I will have an explanation up on there. Uh, other than that, um, not not nothing else to really say. Um, yeah, I'll I'll uh, see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.